Thank you for being here tonight. Amen. It's good to see you all. I missed you all on Sunday. And I'm glad that you are here tonight. Uh, I'd ask you to keep my wife in prayer. She's not feeling well. She's been sick for the last few days and had a, a lingering cough on top of some other aches and pains. So keep her in prayer. Amen. And uh, all those others that are needing a touch from the Lord. Amen. I'd like to take you to the book of Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. There's a few things I want us to see in Scripture. Everybody say pattern. 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 There's, there was a, uh, a pattern of ministry that the Apostle Paul had when he went into different cities. We, if you don't know this, you've probably heard this before, but the term apostle means one who is sent or a messenger, sent with a message. So, but the main theme of the word is to be sent by God. And so that was Paul's way of life in his ministry. He was, a, he was an apostle, so he was constantly sent. He, he, he wasn't in one place for too long. And you know that as, as you study and, and read through, uh, especially the book of Acts and then his other letters, he mentions, when I was with you, when I was there. You know that when I was there, we talked about this and said that and covered this. Um, but in the, in the pattern, in, in, in the history or the process of after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then the birth of the church, the early church on the day of Pentecost, and then through how the word of God was spreading from town to town, city to city, um, Paul obviously played a very crit critical role in that with his apostleship going here and establishing a work, then being sent here and establishing a work. But we also call that his missionary journeys, right? You've probably heard of that, that term, Paul and his missionary journeys. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a problem to use one of those terms over the other. Um, I don't think Paul ever called himself a missionary, but he did call himself an apostle, I know, quite frequently. And he called himself an ambassador. He called himself many things like that. But there's a few passages I'd like us to see in the scripture tonight. And where, when he would go into a town, a, a, a city, uh, a region, whatever it was, there were times that he would preach just about Jesus Christ. You know, he, he, he even, I think it was in Corinthians, he said, I, didn't, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. That's the old, I put everything, all my other knowledge out of my head 
just so I could talk and know only about Jesus? Well, there are a couple of passages, like we'll see in chapter 17 and a few others tonight, where once he started to talk about Jesus or somewhere in the process, oh, this is a fun way of putting this, uh, he had to go back, if I can put it that way, and talk about God. Now, don't get confused by me saying sometimes he talked about Jesus and sometimes he talked about God. But you'll see as we read through here, depending on the crowd he was talking to at the time, he knew that the Lord would relate to this crowd in different ways. When he would go into the temple and talk to the very religious group, then he would talk about Jesus as the fulfillment of their religion. The law. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. But when he would go to other places, and, and they're not the most religious group, when, it, when he started to talk about a man, Jesus Christ, you know, it's almost like the questions asked, okay, why does it matter that we know who this man is? You see the difference? So Acts 17, verse 2, I'll, I'll read a few verses here at the beginning. As Paul, and, Paul and, his, and Paul, as his manner was, his process, he went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scripture. Three, three days in the temple. Three, that means three weeks, right? Week one, week two, week three. And I wouldn't doubt that, you know, not, not that the word was ever stale with Paul, but I wouldn't doubt that he would always start by talking about this and then talk about this and talk about this, you know. As he would preach, it's, he would introduce the idea that Jesus Christ was the, was the Messiah, the man that God sent to fulfill the law. And then, when people heard that, you know, it's almost like he's got him on the hook. Because, wait a second, I don't know that I really believe that, or can you prove it, or do you have more to say about this fact? Well... I don't think he ever used these words, but it's, I can imagine him saying, tune in next week. Because there's more. Yes, there's more. And he would, he, he would preach Jesus. It says that as his manner was, he went in with them three Sabbath days and reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So that's his theme of his lesson, of his teaching. Jesus, he had to suffer the things that he suffered. And that this guy, Jesus, is Christ. And some of them believed, verse 4, and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude. So there's your key. He, now he's talking to Greeks. He's in Greece 
talking to Greeks and devout Greeks, a great multitude of them, not a few. They, it says they consorted with Paul and Silas. Or they agreed and, and followed their teaching. Verse 5, but the Jews, here's the, again a part of the recurring theme everywhere that he went. He'd have some believers and some followers, some that want to hear more, and then he'd have this other group. The Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar. <laughs> so, so Paul would go and he would preach and teach Jesus. He would gain disciples, gain followers. Many would believe from the things that he said and the things that he did. And then this group of non-believers, it's almost like they would come in afterwards. Where has he been? Oh, he was in this town. We better go there and set this record straight. Or we better go there and cause an uproar because those people are starting to believe like what he's teaching. You see this over and over. Jump down to verse 16. So in the meantime, between verse 5 and verse 16, Paul is, so that the uproar starts in that town, and they say, Paul, you got to get out of here because it's going to get worse for you. So he goes and it says he waited for them at Athens. He's waiting for his companions to catch up with him. It's almost like they said, get out of here for safekeeping, or this uproar is just going to end with not the first time that you've been stoned and almost stoned to death. So Paul, please, for your own safety, go somewhere. Well, this is where he went. While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. All right, so this is not the same as like the town that he just came from or any of those others where there's the large group of the religious people meet at the synagogue every Sunday and he just teaches to them. Now he's in a city, Athens. If you study history, then you know Athens and the kind of place that Paul was in, waiting, waiting for his companions. He saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So, verse 17, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. So, he, so yes, Athens did have synagogues. And he still went and did as his manner was and would dispute with them, open the scripture and talk about Jesus Christ. But it's almost like what he's saying about Jesus Christ in such an idolatrous area is hitting differently than it did in other places, in other cities. Now, don't get me wrong, because at this point in history, almost every civilized city, town, nation, group, they all had some type of idolatry, some type of religiousness that, they were all, that the apostles were always coming into contact with. So it's like he'd get inside the church, if I can use that term, the synagogue, and he'd have to talk about Jesus in the scriptures. And then he'd get outside the synagogue, like in the market, or wherever else the people were meeting daily, and 
Maybe they don't have the scriptural knowledge that those in the synagogue had, but they have life experiences and world experiences and idols. Maybe they were raised this way. And, and so he's talking to them about a generational idol that they've grown up hearing and learning about. Verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So Paul's getting a, a, a reputation here for a babbler, somebody that talks about strange gods, that guys that die and resurrect from the dead. And what is this guy talking about? Who is this guy? Verse 19, And they took him, brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Tell us more about this strange God that you're setting forth. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Verse 21, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I need new. I need new. I need new. Well, that doesn't sound like us, but if I put an S on the end of it, I need news. I need news. I need, well, there's a lot of people that live off the news, right? I need the news. I need my feed. I need my news feed. I got to know what's going on today. What's happening now that wasn't happening yesterday or last week? Yeah, I guess you could say it's not harmful to be in the know, but when you always need to know, something can be harmful about that. They spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So it's like, oh, We've never heard this before, Paul. Why don't you take some more time and tell us about this new thing? Paul says, I don't have anything new to tell you. I've got something original to tell you. Verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Now, the fact that he added the word too superstitious, I like that, even though by nature I'm not a confrontational person. But he went from being non-confrontational to confrontational. If he would have just said, you men of Athens, I'm learning about you that you are superstitious people. Well, that's not too harmful, but that's just ba based on his experiences. But if he says, you men of Athens, I'm learning that you are too superstitious. You take your superstitions to the extreme, and it is not good for you. It is not healthy for you. You don't have a healthy view 
in relationship to any God. Next verse says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. So you're going to have a God that you don't even know, and not just like disregard him. No, you actually have an altar for him. You don't even know him, the unknown God. You never heard him speak. You don't know what his specialty is. You don't know if he's the this or the that because you've already got those other gods. So what is this one? Paul says, him declare I unto you. I can talk to you about him. God that made the world. Wait a second. We got a son God. No, God that made the world. The sun is in the world. Wait a second, we got a moon God. No, you have God who made the moon. The moon is in the world. We have God of the rivers and the seas and all the waters. No, you don't. You have God who made the world. And all things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth. Dwelleth not in temples made with hands. He, how, he can't be. You, got, you want to put your God on an altar in an image form and confine him to that. Why? So I can visit him whenever I want to. What? I mean, if he's your God, why do you just want to visit him sometimes? Uh, you're too superstitious. That's what he's telling them. You'll bounce off of this God and go to this God, and then you'll spend a little time over here, and then go a little over here a little bit, and spend your time and your devotions and your efforts and your energies all over the map. That's the problem with an idol. It's, it, it, you're not confined to it. It is confined to you. But how can this God that made the world and everything in the world, how can he dwell in a temple made with hands? Oh, I wish I could have just been on that. I don't know. I probably shouldn't even say that. I think it would have been fun to be on that trip with Paul, but fun's probably not the right word. It would have been eye-opening to spend a few days in Athens with Paul. Let me tell you about this God. You see, he's, he's not talking about Jesus Christ right here, the man who God created to fulfill the law. You see the difference? He's talking to people that don't know God. But this is who God is. He's the one that made everything. Next verse. 
Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Pause for a second. I'm going I'm to come back around to this idea. But he, he's not just making some statement that he's never made before. I told you he had process. He had pattern. This is, honestly, this is a part of Paul's pattern. To say, no, God made everything, and he gave you all that you have. Next verse. Hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined that hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God made man and put, put them on the earth, gave them the boundaries. You men of Athens, I can tell you how you wound up in Athens. Because God put you on this earth and determined your bounds, your habitation. That's why you're here and not in Antarctica. 27. That they should seek the Lord. That's King James' version of saying, for this reason. God, who made everything, also made men, put them in the earth for this reason. That they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. We would not live or move or have our being without him. You still want to worship that other God? The one that just makes it rain? The one that just makes the sun shine and that's all he does? The one that just makes livestock nice and juicy? That's all, you, that's all he does? You want to worship him? What about this God that made everything, including you, and including you for the reason, for the purpose that you should seek him? We live and move and have our being in him. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Where did you come from? Men, superstitious men, religious men. Where did you come from? Your own poets, your own philosophers are out there saying you came from someone, his offspring. 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. Okay, pause for a second. If your poets, your philosophers have said that we as mankind are the offspring of him, why do you why do you have a 10 foot tall idol with the face of a fish and the legs of a lion? 
did that come from? You're not that offspring. You're not offspring of that. Why are you worshiping it? He's not like anything made of gold or silver or stone. Verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Times are changing. This is truly the underlying theme of every message Paul shared, whether he's talking about Jesus as the Messiah or he's talking about God, the creator of heaven and earth, and his relationship to men. The theme of the message is what he's saying is the times are changing. You can't just go on like you've always gone on. We, as humankind, can't just exist the way we've always existed. Why? Because God, the one that made us, is asking of something of us. He's asking us to seek him. I'm using the term asking. He used the term commandeth. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. He's slipping in a little bit of Jesus Christ there. You see that? Times are changing because, oh yeah, he made himself flesh and took on the form of a servant and died for your sins. How long does he need to continue this? Or how, how long can you continue the way you are? It can't be forever. And that's the reason why I'm a missionary. That's the reason why I'm an apostle. Because uh, the Lord is trying to get this message to everyone, everywhere. You all, we all need to repent. Because he hath appointed a day. Everybody say a day. a day. In the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. I just love the fact that Paul could give you, I told you week one, week two, week three. How's that for a teaser for week two? All that I just said is tied to this man whom he hath ordained. All right, I'll see you next week. By the way, that man already came to the earth, lived, and died. And he resurrected. I'll see you next week. What? Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Verse 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead. Or, Paul, sorry, I got, I got to go back for just a minute. Go back to verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day. 
now this is still not sounding like any of the other gods, any of the other idols, right? You got a sun god, for example. Okay, what does he do? Well, he makes the sun come up every morning. Okay, what else does he do? That's pretty much it. Always and forever? I think so. Okay, what about this, uh, this moon god or goddess that you have? What, what's her job? Well, you know, her job is to make the moon come up every night. Okay, what else? I, that, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Always and forever? I think so. Uh, <laughs> I want to use this one. I, 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 I don't want to use it, but I think this is the second time it's crossed my mind. What about this fertility god that you have? What does it do? Uh, well, you know, it causes procreation. Okay, is that it? I think so. Always and forever? Yep, pretty much. Okay, what else? You know, we have all of these idols, and they all have their one specialty, their one function, and I think they just do that forever for the people they like. So i got to worship them and hope that they're, I'm one that they like and that they'll do these things for me. It, what Paul is saying is so completely different than that. He, he's even giving them a deadline. My God, the God, doesn't just exist out there somewhere, floating around, causing the calendar to turn. Uh-uh. He's, he, is the, he is our source of life. Furthermore, he can end my life. He's the source of it. That doesn't just mean he breathed breath into my lungs and said, all right, go on, have fun. Don't kill anybody. No, it's a lot more than that. He hath appointed a day. My God, this God, the one true God, has a reason for all of this. The sun god, his reason is to shine. The moon god, her reason is to shine. The water god, their reason is to flow water. That's it? That's not a great reason. He has a point in the day. Okay, I've got to move on. When they heard the resurrection of the dead, verse 32... Some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Go back to chapter 14, if you will. This was him in Athens. I told you he's got a pattern. Quickly, I want you to see a little bit of this pattern. Acts 14, I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm reading a slightly different translation, but... Hopefully you can try to follow along. Because nothing that Paul said there on Mars Hill to the men of Athens was anything new or reserved just for those men. 
back, we're going back two, three chapters now, back in time. And he was already in the middle of his missionary journeys, okay? They had, caught, they had preached the gospel and the truth in one town. It caused them again to be kicked out of that town. Here's where it says, they were aware of it. They knew what the plans were to stone them again in this town because of that pattern we talked about. When the apostles learned about it, they fled to the cities of Lystra and Derbe in Lycaonia. That's a region there. And to the surrounding territory. There they preached the good news. There they preached the gospel. In these towns where they fled to to get away from the people that wanted to harm them. In Lystra, verse 8, there was a crippled man who'd been made lame from birth and had never been able to walk. He sat there and listened to Paul's words. Paul saw that he believed and he could be healed, or as King James says, perceived that he had faith to be healed. Stay with me. So Paul looked straight at him and said in a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. The man jumped up and started walking around. He leaped and walked. I'm reminding you this is in a... a, in a ungodly, idolatrous city. Just like Athens that we were just talking about. When they see this, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version, okay? When the people of this ungodly city see what just happened, they look at Paul, they look at Barnabas, and they say, these men are gods here with us. That's the only explanation for that miracle that they just did. In fact, they named them. Uh, King James calls them Jupiter. Verse 12. Calls them Jupiter and Mercurius. This other translation, you probably know these, or at least one of them. They called Barnabas Zeus. And they called Paul Hermes, the great speaker. And it doesn't stop there because it says that there was a priest of a temple to Zeus right outside of this city. And he hears about what's going on, rushes to them with sacrifices and gifts. I can't even relate to this, honestly, but this is, it's in the Bible. It's what they did. This priest went to his Zeus temple every day, worshiping the god Zeus, and then he hears that Zeus is in his town. All right, let's go worship him. It's almost like, all right, all this sacrifice is paid off. I get to do one in the flesh for him. But Paul and Barnabas, when they hear and can tell what's going on, because it says they also use their own language, strange language. 
little history fact there. This language was not one spoken anywhere else. The Lycaonian language. But Paul and Barnabas somehow get the picture. Uh, these people want to worship us. That's not good. It says that they started to tear their clothes in outburst against the idea that they could be worshipped. That's how flabbergasted they were. Stop, stop, men, stop. Do not worship us. We are just men like you. Go down to verse 15. They, they cried, shout, they, they, they shouted, why are you doing this? Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, the one that I'm going to talk about in a few more chapters in Athens. I told you it's not new. It's the theme. It's the message. Turn to the living God, the one true God, not Zeus, not Hermes, not Hades, not any other God, the one true living God, turn to him. I'm here to preach to you to turn to him. He so happened to perform a miracle and heal this man while I was just here to preach to you to turn to him. How did he do that? He's God. He does everything. Turn from these vanities, your idols, your emptiness, unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. See, I, do, I, 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 I didn't do any more study in, in, in Greek mythology. So what I'm talking to you about is just my general understanding. But Zeus... I believe, was supposed to be like the god of the gods. And he apparently lived somewhere up in the heavenlies. So to tell Zeus worshipers that the one true living god created the heavenlies, and by the way, he didn't create a palace up there and a throne and put a guy named Zeus on it, He made heaven. He made earth and the sea and all these things that are therein. Next verse. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. This is the same thing as what he said again in chapter 17. God winked at their ignorance in times past. I told you this is not a new message. This is his pattern. When he goes, he needs people to understand who God is. In times past, he suffered all nations to walk their own ways. But guess what? He's got a deadline. The times are changing. 
This is the same song I sing everywhere I go. Verse 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. So even while he was letting men pursue their own direction, their own sense of right, while he was letting them pursue that, he didn't leave himself without a witness. In other words, he's always given evidence of his existence by the good things he does, in that he did good and gave us. Uh, pause, I want you to just understand this for a minute. Because this is really the way that this came across to me. Things God does for everyone. Every, everybody say everyone. Not Pentecostals, not apostolics, not Paul and Barnabas. He's done this for everyone. Not saved or unsaved. He's done this for everyone. How can he do that? Because if he's going to give men the ability to pursue their own way and live what they think is right, he also has to give a witness of himself so that they know he's still there. You're not just completely off to figure everything out on your own with no help. And then he gives a list. These things. Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven. Wait, I, I thought the, the rain God did that. Nope. He gave us rain from heaven. And fruitful seasons. You notice how those two, two things are linked. There's not the, the one God of the rain and this one God of the harvest. No. He does, my friend, you would not have anything to eat if there was not the one true living God. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. This is a list. This is what he's done for everyone. Okay, he also died for everybody. Robed himself in flesh, took on, I already said this, took on the form of a servant, made himself obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was for everyone. But even the ones that either don't believe that, don't agree with that, don't accept that, or are not interested in that, okay, rewind it a little bit and tell me what you ate today. Because you wouldn't have eaten it without the Lord. Tell me what season we're in. Winter, it's cold and there's snow on the ground outside. It wouldn't be there without the Lord. And a very peculiar one, gladness. So everybody's happy? Obviously not. But everybody has the capacity to experience gladness. And without the Lord, they would not have that. 
When I was a kid, we sang a song, He has made me glad, He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He, you know that. That's what He's done for everyone. Now, think about this. If the, if, I, I, I think, I would say, the majority of our world today is not glad. Majority of our world is living in despair, is living on other substances besides the gladness of the Lord. How? How did we get from he has made me glad? How did we get from he has given us rain and food and seasons and gladness to I have zero in my life. I have zero joy. I have zero cheer. Could it be that you are getting further and further away from the one that gives gladness? If you don't believe that, get close to him and then let's talk. I mean it. Uh, how many people want to deny the Lord, the truth, Christianity, and all of that, and they, they want to use their sad life as the excuse? All I can say is, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Start pursuing Him. Truly considering Him. And watch Hallelujah. Him make you glad. Glory. This is what He does for everybody. And the next verse, verse 18, just to put you back in the, the context of the story. Even with these words, the apostles could hardly keep the crowd from offering a sacrifice to them. Ah, I'd rather not. I'd rather not acknowledge that one true God that you're talking about. It's so much easier to give you a bowl of fruit and go on with my day. No, you when you introduce to me the topic of a living God and you introduce to me the idea of me living in Him, me having my life in Him, you are taking away my lifestyle. In Him we live and move and have our lifestyle. Outside of Him, you can have whatever other lifestyle you want, but it's, it has been ordained, my friend. It has been ordained by the Lord. A time, a season. 
Bishop has been saying recently, lately, and he's even mentioned about some, some conversations he's had with other people. If our perspective is not right, we think we have to either get somebody just in the water of baptism. I'll pick you up and carry you if I have to and dunk you in the tank. And oh, by the way, we do that in the name of Jesus. All right. Got another one done. Thank the Lord for that. No. What did Paul do? He considered who he was talking to, said, do you know him at all? If you don't know him at all, I'm going to start by giving you the knowledge that I have of him. What would you eat today? Take a deep breath. Feel that air get into your lungs. You know where that air came from. Not the air God, the God. He is who you need to know. And he will lead you into everything else you need to know. Amen. He gave us this thing called his word. His word. It's him. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close here. I'm thankful that I get to know the Lord. I'm thankful that somebody, many people, have taught me about him, about his word. I'm thankful that he would arrest my life and not just let me continue to go on my own direction. Put yourself in the shoes of one of those people, Lycaonia or Athens or Corinth or Galatia or Ephesus, Thessalonica. Put yourself in any one of those people's shoes and imagine I was living this way, pursuing these things, worshiping these idols, giving myself and my life to this lifestyle until someone came and told me about God, the one true living God, and his plan for my life. Now, it's not any different just because we're 2,000 years later. You know the Bible says a 1,000 years is as one day with the Lord. He, he, he's, he's not looking at Thessalonica and saying it was so much different to reach them than it is to reach Yakima. It was so easy to get a church started in Galatia, but I can't reach Union Gap. It's his message, it's his word. It's getting his word to people. Every person needs to hear. That's why Paul went, because every person needs to hear. 
What you do with this knowledge, my friend, I have no control over. You know what? I, I'm kind of glad because it takes all the pressure off of me. <sighs> do you think Paul ever just went a whole day and preached and taught and then as he's walking back wherever he's walking, he looks back over his shoulder, oh, this was a good day. I got 30 people back there. Or do you think he ever went and stopped and turned? Oh, there's nobody back there. I guess I missed it today. No, what he did was, I shared the truth. Who's coming for me now? How much longer can I stay here and share the truth before I've got to get out of here for my life to continue his message? It's, hmm. What did he say? Paul planted Apollos watered, God gave the increase. All I'm doing is planting, all I'm doing is planting, all I'm doing is planting. The Lord's going to bring somebody else to water it. The Lord's going to bring somebody else to cultivate it, take care of it, pray for it, reach out to it. The Lord's going to do all that and He's going to give the increase. The, oh, the only place I get to examine in that is what's my involvement? What's my involvement? Am I doing my part to make sure the seeds are getting sown, planted, watered? Uh, I got I to say this real quick. Imagine if you would. You lived in one of these towns. I don't have a map up there. Or you'd, it'd be even easier. Imagine you lived in a town where Paul came through and planted a church because he was the apostle. He was the messenger sent there. And in your town, imagine if you would, please, in your town, hundreds, hundreds of people heard and obeyed and followed. And then God, in his wisdom, after you've got this well-adjusted church of hundreds of Paul followers, yeah, they're following Jesus. And that's your city, that's your town, that's your identity. And then God decides to move you over to Lycaonia, where they talk funny. And they have all these other strange gods. Now, would you go there with the attitude, Paul must have not done a good job here. I mean, I left Galatia where there's hundreds, and I come here where there's about five people. What did he do differently? Nothing. He sowed the same seed. 
But my attitude is, where's all the people? Where's all the believers? I, oh, it must not have worked here. I don't know. I guess he preached his better sermons over there. I'm just saying. Paul planted. The, <laughs> no, the issue is you're seeing the conditions that this seed is planted in. That's the only visible sign you have is what kind of field is this? What kind of orchard is this? I've seen some, uh, I've seen some, we live in Yakima. I've seen some beautiful orchards and I've seen some that nobody has walked through in hundreds of years, it looks like. They both still grow fruit, by the way. But we want to look at the outside, the conditions, and say, oh, this one is where it's at. What's going on over here is good stuff. What's going on over there? Eh, I really don't know if anybody's working that field. I want to, I want to share the Lord and his truth. I want to do my part in his harvest. Lord, Jesus, we desire the truth of your word. We desire your plan for our lives, God. We desire your spirit to work through us, Lord Jesus. We desire your spirit to work through us, O oh God, accomplishing that which is your purpose. God, reaching those who you would reach with your seed, with your word. God, I want to do my part in your kingdom. Jesus, whatever patterns you would have me follow, whatever words you would have me share, whatever prayers you would have me pray, Lord, I want to do it according to your will. I want to cause you, Lord, to be increased. Jesus, I can't do it on my own, Lord. I need your efforts through me, God. I need your spirit through me. I need your grace working and operating through me. Come on, why don't you let the Lord lead you in some prayer right now. Let the Lord lead you in some prayer right now. God, what is my part? What is my part, Lord? What do you need me to do? God, what would you have me do in your kingdom? What would you have me do, Lord, to share your word? Jesus, this is not just about me. This is not just about my life, God. This is not just about my time, Lord Jesus. It's about those that you're trying to reach. It's about those that need to hear. It's about those that need the seed sown into their lives, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the one true God. You are the one true living God and beside you there is no other. I believe it and I confess it right now, Jesus. I want everyone to hear it. I want everyone to know it, Lord Jesus. Who you are, O oh God. Who you are, O oh God. 
Lord, I know the Godhead is not like anything that I understand or can relate to in my own natural knowledge, Lord. Forgive me, Jesus, if I've tried to make a religion that I can worship with my own efforts. Forgive me, Lord, if I've tried to make a religion, God, that's not accurate, that's not true. God, anything that I'm doing in my service to you, anything that I'm doing in my efforts, God, if it's not rooted in truth, Lord, I pray let truth become illuminated. I pray let truth become the light, God. Let truth become the direction for my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your light so shine, I pray, God. I pray let it illuminate hearts and minds right now, Lord Jesus. God, minds that have tried, minds that have sought for understanding, Lord, minds that have tried to gain knowledge through revelation and understanding, God. I pray let it be your spirit that does the revelation. I pray let it be the truth of your word that causes the light to shine. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord wants to reach people through you. He wants to share His Word through you. Just like Paul, just like Barnabas and Silas, just like all of those missionaries that He would try to lead and guide with His Word, He wants to share His Word through you. He wants to reach lives through you. He wants to sow the seed of His Word through you and your life. You've got family members. You've got friends. You've got co-workers. You've got neighbors that the Lord wants to reach and share the Word through you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The last thing I want to say is let the Lord help you get a pattern. If it's from Him, it's going to work, I promise you. Let, don't, I'm not, I'm not, hear me, I'm not saying go find something. I'm not saying go search the internet for a pattern. I'm saying let the Lord give you a pattern. If it's two verses, let that be your pattern. If it's one verse, start somewhere. And let the Lord share and use. The enemy is the one that would try to intimidate you and say you don't know enough to share anything. Or nobody's interested, they don't want to hear. No, take that word gladness, start there. Start there. The Lord makes people glad. Did you know that? Have you ever had gladness in your life? If you did, do you know how you got it? The Lord makes people glad. That's something that everybody can relate to. We're humans. Our lives have ups and downs. We want to say, 
the ups are because this and the downs are because of this. No, if it's truth, if it's rooted in God and in truth, he's the source. That's a, that's a message that everybody can understand. Let the Lord give you a pattern and share. Amen? Amen. I love you all. God bless you. Greet one another and you're dismissed.